Hi, my name is Catherine Corcoran, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to... The Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. On behalf, here with D. Frank and Money Mike Settle, uh, you may notice that we are missing the luscious voice of Nico Chin today for the first time in 273-plus episodes. Keep our brother in your prayers. He's undergoing a medical procedure tonight. Love you, brother. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into tonight's episode, just wanted to shout out our website, don'tgooutthere.com. If you're trying to find an episode, most notably an interview, don't go searching through all 274 shows. Go hit that interviews tab. And once you're blown away, go sign up to be a blood donor. That's what we call our Patreon. Any money made there goes straight into the show for hosting everything else. None of that goes into our pockets. Since you're spending money anyway, go check out our store. We have a bunch of new shirts on there that Dustin designed. We think you'll you know, look fantastic in them. Not as good as Mike, but that's a burden we all carry. Tonight's episode is the next chapter in my theme, Listener Choice Month, where we pick four movies for you to choose from and your vote and you vote on our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the Tic Tac, as this old man shouting at the cloud and I like to call it. And this was one of Mike's selections. Mike, what won and what is now episode 274 on our review list? And why did you pick this one as a choice? First of all, getting real close to episode 300 here, fellas. That's pretty damn incredible. Okay. Uh, so obviously all my choices were from the year of 2022, wanted to go a little bit modern with it, and The Menu won, and this movie was released towards the end of the year, so just when we kind of thought we were done on the calendar year of 2022, which was still, you know, full of really interesting and well-done horror movies, this one got slammed in there at the end, and it blew me away <laughs> the first time I watched it, and I'm very glad that it won. It is. It was one of my favorite movies of the year, probably my favorite movie of last year, so I was kind of secretly hoping for this one. It's going to get picked with the next theme anyway, so either way, you guys were getting the menu one way or or another. Look, I love this movie. I love a lot of things about it. I love the exposition, the story that it tries to tell. I love that it knocks the overly critical food industry or the fine dining industry. I think the shots that it takes there are humorous. Very, very well done. Uh, as someone who watches a lot of Food Network, uh, sometimes not by choice, this is the kind of stuff I want to see made fun of in a way, just because I think it's humorous. And, you know, me and my wife got a good laugh about a lot of the stuff in this movie that they're making fun of. I thought that kind of helped my viewpoint of it. Um, I think this cast is incredible. I think ATJ, who's now in everything all of a sudden, uh, she's fantastic in this. This is a almost a, a step down to earth from some of the other movies we've done with her. Like last night in Soho, she plays a completely different character from this one she is like and you know she is us and i really like her character what can you say about my man chef alphonse what else can you say about voldemort that hadn't already been said man he is fantastic as chef in this movie nicholas holt is good he's such a dick face makes you want to punch him every time he speaks man hung child she's great john ligazamo my man and a completely different character for him to me anyway uh, I thought he was great. I think the supporting cast is great. Reed Bernie. Just, there, there, there's so many different 
characters. And I think, and I've said on the show before, I like one setting movies. And this movie, for the most part, takes place in one location. And I like those. I think I get more suspense out of those. Um, I like the story throughout. I never get, I never feel the runtime. I never get bogged down. And I just really like how it's a movie that a little bit of information leaks out just a little bit at a time. It's like peeling a layer of onions. No food pun intended there. I'll stop rambling. Let somebody else talk. Um, but I'm excited to do it, man. I'm excited. Uh, I wish Nico was here because I think he may have been my biggest support, but that's okay. I like, I, I've never had to John Snow this thing and it doesn't look like I'm going to have to, but one day I will pick a movie that I'm the only one that loves. I was kind of, I was secretly hoping for it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and go. Uh, personally, I thought this movie was fine. Uh, it was, I think, good as a, a quote, one watcher. Uh, I say one watch because I feel like the rewatchability is low. And watching this a handful of times in preparation for this review, like, I just, it, it's, it saw it just keep getting boring the more times I watched it and, and knew what was, what was going to happen. You know, as far as the first time goes, I feel like I built it up too much in my head, you know, with Ray Fines and Anna Taylor Joy. I expected it to be phenomenal. And when Mike proclaimed on Twitter that it was the best movie of 2022, I kind of found myself almost a little bit disappointed because of the in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault. Uh, I feel like those two and, and really everyone in this movie was absolutely magnificent. Uh, funny enough, Emma Stone was originally cast as Margot, but was replaced by uh, Anna Taylor-Joy due to scheduling conflicts. I would have been fine either way, as I love her too. But yeah, I, I definitely give it credit for being unique. Although, you know, I did find myself wishing for a different ending, which I'll get to that. But I'm very glad I watched it and think everyone should. But I, I just thought it was okay. Not not bad by any means, which my score will definitely reflect. Yeah, I uh, I watched this movie a few months ago, and I agree. It, when I watched it then, I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. When I rewatched it for this uh, episode to do notes, I agree with you, Brian. It just it doesn't really have the rewatchability. Um, now, it, it, there are certain parts that when you rewatch it that first time, it's like, ah, you pick up on that, you know, especially early on, it's like, ah, okay, that that's cool, that makes a lot of sense. But just overall, I agree, um, doesn't really have a lot of rewatchability. And it's not, I didn't get bored with it, it's just, I don't know, I can't describe it. it it's it's a pretty okay movie. My man Rafe Fiennes, uh, Rafe Fiennes you mentioned, Mike, um, he kills his role as chef. And this is something I told you guys in our group chat. I think that 2023 has found me realize that he's one of my favorite actors because this year alone, I've seen him in this. I've seen him in uh, the King's man. I watched the Kingsman series for the first time. He's fantastic in the King's man. I watched all of the Daniel Craig, James Bond movies, which he's great in those. Um, And then I watched in Bruges for the first time this year. And Holy shit, that's an incredible movie. Um, And of course he's great in red dragon and as Lord Voldemort. So yeah, hats off to him. I, should have known that he was going to smoke his role as chef in this movie, and he does. Anya Taylor-Joy, of course, she kills it. Nicholas Holt, he's another one of those actors that I just I seem to love everything he's in. Of course, he's Beast from X-Men. I saw him recently as uh, Renfield, and he was yep. great in that role. You know, I don't have anything negative like, oh, this movie sucks. There's this, this, this and this. But um, I'll get into it in the scene-by-scene, scene, just some of the things that I, I, I picked that to just kind of kill it for me. No doubt. You guys didn't have anything else before we uh, jump into scene by scene. And again, Nico, prayers up for for him. Everybody just take a second and uh, say a prayer too, and hopefully he'll be back next week uh, or the week after. All right, let's uh, let's jump into it then. 
We open up on the dock with X-Men's Beast, not Kelsey Grammer, but Nicholas Holt, who's described as a, quote, foodie, but has an obsession that goes far beyond that. His date, Queen's Gambit, Margot Mills slash Aaron, played by Anna Taylor-Joy, who makes her third appearance on the show, if I'm not mistaken, is chastised by Tyler for, quote, killing her palate with a heater. We also find out he paid $2,500 for their dinner, something nobody but Mike can probably relate to around here. Fuck you. Uh, they and the other guests load the boat to Hawthorne, which we find out is an exclusive restaurant on Mike's private island owned by celebrity chef Red Dragon, the man himself, Ray Fines. When we get to the island, we, found out, we find out Margot was not Tyler's designated guest, and the maitre d' Elsa is taken back by this right off the bat. After a brief, albeit odd, tour of the island, we're welcomed into the restaurant where Chef is informed as well that Margot was not supposed to be there. Everyone else has served the appetizer, and we circle through the tables getting to know you know, the characters, and we learn more about Tyler's obsession with Chef and, and cooking in general. The first course title card takes us into the first of many bizarre monologues from Chef, this one asking the patrons to taste, not eat, the food, bringing Tyler to tears like a weirdo. We hear more from the food critic Lillian's table as well as the movie star played by John Leguizamo's table. The three business partners and the wealthy regulars Richard and the mom from Who's the Boss, Ann. After another stare at Tyler and uh, Margot slash Aaron's table, the chef asks for plating in five. That's all we have for that set scene. Go ahead, Mike. Okay, so Nicholas Holt's character is such a fucking dick face, like I said in the open. Like, immediately I dislike him and that he's, he's great for that. This character, Tyler, is one of my least liked characters in a movie that we've done. Such just a pretentious diva. Like, he's the guy that thinks he knows everything but actually knows nothing. Like, that is that is my least favorite kind of person. And that's Tyler. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy does a great job as Margot. And every time I hear the name Margot, I think of Christmas Vacation. I don't, I don't know, know, Margo. Margo. <laughs> I, I can't help it. It's literally uh, every time. Um, I like their, their on-screen chemistry is weird because you clearly know something's off. But the first time you watch it, you definitely don't have your finger on exactly what it is. Then you know you you get there, and she's not supposed she's not supposed to be his guest, and that kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, huh, that's weird. Is she a mistress, or is she, you know, I don't know, her his sister? Like, I don't know. Just the so I'm immediately thrown off by what they are and who they are. My man on this boat is such a weird. That man is eating the nastiest look. They look like little Dragon Balls. You know, from, from Dragon Ball Z, he, 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 he looks like he's eating Dragon Balls. I'm like, that's disgusting, man. And he, he's acting like it's good because he knows he has to. And I, I, again, that's another kind of foodie quote unquote that I can't stand. Um, but she calls him out on all his bullshit, calls it the peak amount bullshit, like stuff like that. I, I really love her quips here. She doesn't just kind of take it. She really lets him know that his hobby kind of sucks. <laughs> At least the way he goes about act, you know, the way he goes about acting about it. I love the stuff that we get going from table to table, kind of learning everybody. Uh, the food critic is probably my the food critics are probably my favorite characters in the movie because everybody knows someone that thinks they are, or everyone has read an Instagram post or Twitter or something that thinks they're food critic or watch one episode of Iron Chef and everybody knows exactly who that is. So I love those characters. They sorry, go ahead. Is that like how we are with movies? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, this isn't just attacking. Food critic, it's attacking all critics, which I, uh, again, as one, I can appreciate and laugh at. 
uh, because we pick through these movies with a fine tooth comb in the same way they do other people's food. So I enjoy the commentary there. Uh, the three guys that all work together, they are – I kind of wish they had more depth. Like all you yeah. really get to know is that they're work bros, um, and they're not very likable. So I guess they're just kind of there to be guys that aren't very likable, that you know they think they their money can buy them everything. So at least you know there's something there. <laughs> John Leguizamo is hilarious. Like I, I in this movie in particular, he he's the old you know the burnt out, not maybe not child actor, but has one hit and kind of tries to coast on that. So everyone that knows that celebrity as well. So I just like going around the table and getting to know everyone and the characters, you know, that we have. And, you know, Reed Bernie, who I watched in another movie called mass, like literally two days before I saw the menu about, uh, school shooting parent stuff. So like, I, I, I had that image of him. He's such a good actor in this movie. He plays a little bit of, I wish he had more depth and that's Richard, by the way. And they give him a little more depth later because we learn what happens between him and Margot. <laughs> I should say, but uh, yeah, like that's probably my those two that old couple probably my least favorite as far as going around the table. I found them the least interesting. Chef is awesome. Can't say enough about Chef, and uh, I love that this he he basically has built a cult of cooks, and I kind of appreciate that. It was creepy in a way because you would think these people would be individually minded, but they're they're not. They're all in on what Chef is presenting, and. I think I like this character, Chef, because he's layered, but also because he's so full of shit. Like, he's gotten so far up his own ass. Like, he thinks that everything he says is gold. And he, like, all, like the way he lays out these courses, very entertaining, but very pretentious, very unlikable. And maybe that's on purpose because he knows what comes later. So, again, really good opening set of scenes, good introduction to a bunch of different characters we have to learn. Sorry for rambling. Honestly, this is probably my least favorite set of scenes. Like, I know it's necessary because we fair. have to that's we have fair. to establish it. But um, you know, our initial introduction to Margot and Tyler, and he's just definitely not the most likable guy. Um, and then they also, the first time you watch it, they also appear to either not be a very compatible couple, or um, you know, if they are a couple, then it's very new because he just seems so much more pretentious than she is. She's so much more down to earth and. You know, just like a real person, uh, the way that he hypes everything about this meal and who's go who all's going to it, just that they do a good job with that. His character really makes it important. Like he sells how important and exclusive this this meal and restaurant is. So I do like that. Uh, very awkward moment again. Getting back to their dynamic, very awkward moment when he didn't know her last name to give the greeter, and so that's a great way to let us know for sure that this is not a established couple which, you know, of course, we find out later what their dynamic really is. Uh, and then, yeah, Tyler's just so fucking obnoxious, man. Then again, the whole group is. This seems like the worst group of people they could have possibly assembled. There's not a single likable person in it, except for Felicity. Listen, Amy Carrero, check your DMs. Get back <laughs> at me. Um, I think Margo's likable enough. It gets... Uh, it's very ironic. Also, some of the dialogue that we hear from table to table becomes very ironic and crucial later on. Like the the group of the three guys, the coworkers, the uh, stock bros, or whatever you want to call them, uh, they said that, "Oh, we're pathetic. Someone shoot us!" Like that's very ironic later down the road. Um, nice. And then you know the last thing on this set of scenes, 
Ray Fiennes, like I said, played this role perfectly. Chef is so intense. He, he brings that intensity that you would kind of expect from someone who's running a restaurant that's this exclusive and this uh, well thought of. But aside from him and, you know, the necessary groundwork we laid, like I said, this is probably my least favorite set of scenes just because it's very slow moving. Nothing's really going on. And I don't like any of these people. Hey, really quick, Brian. I hate to give credit to Screen Rant, but I, I will. They dubbed the character that Fiance plays as a cross between Gordon Ramsay and Hannibal Lecter. I thought that was pretty good, though. I huh. thought that makes sense as far as his vibe and well, his study. I thought that was pretty – and, you know, Red Dragon. So, <laughs> Especially when he calls the guy a donkey. Like, that's a Gordon Ramsay quote. <laughs> oh, you donkey. <laughs> Sorry. I don't do a good Gordon Ramsay. Please move on. No, you sound like Shrek. <laughs> Donkey, get back to me, swamp. I can't do him either. Just fucking move on. Uh, All right. A second course title card leads to another chef monologue about agriculture. And the guests are given what looks like a fucking plate of paint, but is a breadless plate of bread sides. That's fun. We scan the tables again as Lillian talks about God knows what with the emulsia being broken apart as Ted from Prison Break and Private Practice continues to gaslight her. Chef shows he's listening as he gives her an entire bowl of broken emulsion. She has a nice middle finger fuck you to her. Tyler insults Margot slash Aaron. The business partners ask for bread, are told no. And Tyler breaks a glass while Chef comes over and asks Margot to eat to no prevail. A subtle touching of the head between uh, Slavik and his alcoholic mother uh, takes us to the title card for the third course. Things get very interesting during course number three, Memory as uncomfortable truths about each guest are exposed via laser-printed images on their tortillas, starting with Chef exposing his own home life as a child. We get more in-depth knowledge of every character at the tables as a fight between Tyler and Margot leads to her taking to the ladies' room to light up another heater, where she's joined by Chef asking more questions. The conversation ends with her telling him to get the fuck out of her way. During the fourth course, things escalate very quickly as Sue Chef Jeremy's past resume is given and everyone is told that Jeremy is good, but not great. Chef kisses him on the cheek and then proceeds to shoot himself in the face. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> that was very matter of fact. <laughs> in the face. Okay, sorry. Um, Look, I fucking love this breadless bread plate. I, I do. I think it's funny. I I think it's very uh, creative and, 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 and a really good commentary on like, these motherfuckers will eat up anything I do except for the three guys that work together. They were on about that. But the food crates, you could see them just, just the way they're like, oh, this is, you know, this is great. Or, you know, this is so creative, so inventive. And it's literally just fucking dipping sauces that probably taste like shit. And then there's Tyler that's just eating it up, man. It's the best thing he's ever had. I can't believe he's so inventive, so creative. Just big ass kisser, the kind of person that the chef probably actually hates but has to quote unquote have the approval of um, that, you know, especially Tyler thinks he knows everything. I love the breadless bread plate. It is, it is really just one of the funnier parts of the movie to me. Cause especially, you know, and here's something I meant to mention on top. These title cards keep me rolling, man. Like the fact that, especially as, as you know, the movie goes along and how much funnier they get. Like, I really do enjoy that part of, of these movies. And, you know, I like this third course a lot because I think we're kind of starting to, like I said in the intro, peel back layers of the onion 
of who everyone is. Why is everyone here? Just to mention, man, we have a whole lot of unlikable people, definitely on purpose, including like you don't really like anybody, but kind of Margot, and 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 that includes Chef. While he's entertaining, you know, he's a prick. Uh, he's clearly kind of gotten himself into this position that he's in. He's a tragic villain, but he's still a villain, and, and I think that that should you know kind of be remembered. It's, it's not quite like you know some of my favorite look as a guy who grew up a wrestling fan that loved the bad guys. Not the good guys. I love Chef, but I also have to know that's not who I'm pulling for in this movie. Um, the chicken taco. Oh. No, I'm just saying acknowledge him if you like the bad guys in wrestling. I, I do acknowledge Roman Reigns. Reigns. I I just don't acknowledge the creative. <laughs> anyway, um, nothing but respect for my world champion Cody Rhodes. Um, so I, I like the subtle play, and it's not very subtle, but I in the in the movie it's kind of but the scissors in the chicken thigh. As it relates to him stabbing his dad in the thigh, I thought it was really smart. It was almost too on the nose, and that's what made it funny to me. These laser-printed tacos, I saw people say that that was unrealistic, but I don't know. I think Chef's been planning this fucking thing for a long time. Uh, and so you kind of find out the relationship between Richard and Margot, and how you kind of get a little bit of that. You get these people, you know, these businessmen, co-workers are fucking frauds. You get these critics that uh, shut down a bunch of restaurants for no good reason other than they have a bad piece of food or whatever, like just really everyone in this room is an asshole, which is exactly what Dustin touched on. So I like that. And I like that we get the uncomfortable truth. Finally, let's get to the mess. Um, Cause I broke my nose down by course. This one was tough to me. Like this was probably the most intense scene of the film, except maybe towards the end where we talk about cheeseburgers, but <laughs> I found this scene to be so intense. Um, just everyone's like Jeremy's crying. Chef looks sad that he has to do this, or he quote-unquote has to do this. Um, and look, watching him shoot himself and calling it the mess, like as, you know, he shoots himself, then the title card comes up. I thought that was, whew, I thought it kind of almost takes you out of the moment a little bit. Um, but again, really good scene, man, intense acting. Um, it, so that's pretty, yeah, yeah, that's it. But again, I love all these courses. I love that we can kind of follow the movie that way. Um, I will say my only little nitpick about the movie at all really is some of the dialogue stuff we get with Chef and Margot. Um, it kind of removes me from the room, and I like being in the room with the food and everyone in the room that sucks ass. Like, But when we keep kind of leaving that room, I'm not a big fan of some of that, and I know what it's setting up, especially with the cheeseburger scene, and that's fine. I feel like we could have gotten there without all this like back and forth between, oh, we're both service industry workers and all this stuff. So just a little that, – that felt like it was there for no reason. But other than that, no complaints. I like the set of scenes. I feel like all all the courses made me giggle in some way, even the mess, because that – you know, you're kind of uncomfortably laughing until he shoots himself. Yeah, so I laughed when uh, Chef gave the bread speech and then served in the plateless or the breadless bread plate. That was great shit. I love that. And but that also was when I realized that I think the worst person in this room might be Ted, Lillian's little yes man that's sitting at the table with him. Like just he wouldn't really say anything until she said something, and then his opinion was based on what she said. That's the worst kind of people—people people that can't form an opinion of their own. But um, then I, I laughed again. When he sent the broken emulsion, the extra one out to Lillian, 
Like that, I, that's some psychotic shit there. I love that that Chef was listening that intently to be like, oh, okay, she's gonna point out that. Well, here, let's send her another one, and then he does it again later and sends the huge bowl. That was fucking awesome. Um, creepy as fuck when Elsa whispered, uh, "You'll eat less than you desire and more than you deserve." Like, oh shit, because at that point we don't really know. Like, we can kind of get the feeling that something's off with this, but that was the first. Said or the first thing that happened, and we're like, "What the hell is going on here?" So she's I thought great, that line, by the way, maybe the yeah, most underrated character, Dustin. For that sure. line, that line was just so perfectly delivered too. Yeah, uh, Hong Chao did so good. Um, and also, you can just tell how embarrassed Tyler was when Margot talked to Chef like she did. And I really feel like Margot is the only person in this entire room I like at this point because she's the only one that's not like completely buying into the bullshit or just not the worst person I've ever encountered. And so really like her and that, that set that scene right there is what made me realize that, okay, she's who I'm rooting for here. Um, and then, you know, very uncomfortable when chefs telling the story of his childhood, like that's some traumatic shit to just lay upon your dinner guest. Like that's crazy. But also I'll point this out to you guys. You noticed like right there, I think it was when he mentioned that he grew up in Waterloo, Iowa, and then later he mentions, and he said when he was growing up in, and he said like a European city, I thought. And I meant to go back and get that city, but that was weird to me. He mentioned two different cities that he grew up in. But huh. um, the images on the tortillas is insane. That's a big time oh shit moment for me because now is when I, like right here is when I get fully invested in the movie. Like I said, that first opening set of scenes was not enough to hook me when I watched it the first time. But I remember, Mike, how much you said you loved the movie. He says, well, I'm going to see it through. Cause I know we're going to review it eventually anyway. And I'm glad I did because right here. And again, on this, on the second watch, there is like, this is where I'm like, okay, let's do this. I'm locked in. Um, then we get that very creepy interaction with chef and Margot in the shitter, but I want to point something out. Okay. So she goes to the bathroom and he just unlocks the door and walks in behind her and has that very intense conversation with her. That's bad enough. But what I don't get is that, no one in chef even says it late in the movie. So spoiler, we're going to skip ahead here when he says that they could have fought harder to escape. No one tried to get out the bathroom, like that window, at least Margot. I don't know about the other people because she's definitely the skinniest person at the restaurant or the smallest, uh, most petite person at the restaurant. Margot could have fit through that fucking window. So she could have tried to, you know, push comes to shove. She could have tried to escape. You're not kidding. They didn't want to get out. They were, I think they were so, which I don't know, maybe they were just so much in shock. It, was, it, it certainly was shocking what happens. But you spoke on Jeremy's mess. Um, yeah, that really cranks up the intensity. Like, that's when we know for sure something fucky's going on. And I thought it was just brilliantly done because he's so stoic when he's talking. Chef is so stoic, and he's giving praise to Jeremy. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And I, I thought I thought it was fantastic. The blood splatter just and then the way they drug his carcass away. That was an incredible scene right there. So they didn't have me in the first half of the first, you know, the opening set of scenes, but they got me here. I'm hooked. Let's go. For sure. By the and way, it was that's them, totally fair. Like I I totally get that. Sorry, Brian, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it was them putting up the plastic to block the food and stuff, just like yeah. like it was just a yeah, that 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 was what got me. So unintended chef's kiss. And I will say this, the first time I watched the movie, even in the first set of scenes, you know, as we're watching them, I'm still feeling it out. I'm like, 
this is, you know, something's off. This movie's a little creepy. I'm interested, but it hasn't quite got me to where I want to be yet. And then in comes, you know, the chicken tacos. And I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm fucking ready. Let's go because something's up here. So that's totally fair. All right, so a lot of lot of stuff happens in this next set of scenes and, and really even the ending, so bear with me here. All right, panic ensues after the suicide as the fourth course is served, consisting of bone marrow. However, Tyler is unfazed. When Richard attempts to leave, the staff cuts off his left ring finger, forcing him to stay. Chef calls Margot back to the kitchen, to Tyler's dismay, and is told that everyone is going to die tonight. She returns to the table and slaps Tyler to no reaction. A palate cleanser of wild bergamot and red clover tea is served as the guests continue to try to decide what to do, including a failed attempt to break the window. Chef further explains to each guest why they are there and the sins they are to pay for as the, quote, ingredients to his meal. As he explains, he cannot satisfy anyone at the price point of the people in this room. Hawthorne's angel investor, Doug Varick, whom Slowick apparently was forced to sell his restaurant to, is donned with angel wings and drowned in front of the guests. The timer rings and Margot is once again asked to speak with Chef, and he makes the choice for her to die with the staff. She is exposed as an escort named Aaron, whose client included Richard, whom she stopped seeing because he hired her to pretend to be his daughter and watch as he jacked his meat whistle. Chef takes the guests outside where a female sous chef exposes Slavic as attempting to sleep with her and punishing her for not taking his advances. This leads to her stabbing him with the scissors and then giving him a hug as he apologizes and sends the male guests running with the false promises of escape while the females go inside to dine on the sixth course, man's folly, and bond over the food. Chef reveals that Tyler was informed the guests would be killed ahead of time, and despite knowing he was still excited to participate, and he kept it a secret and hired Margot knowing they would die. Chef invites Tyler to cook, even writing his name with the handwriting of a kindergartner on his jacket. Come on, Fines. Uh, when, when his performance in the kitchen fails to live up to Chef's standards, he humiliates Tyler by detailing each misstep of Tyler's bullshit and follows up by whispering in his ear, which sends Tyler to leave the kitchen. Aaron is asked to come with the chef, and the next set of scenes is the ending. Go ahead, I would really get fucking cranking right here, man. This is where shit really starts to hit the fan. First of all, I'm going to jump ahead for just a second. Tyler's bullshit is the best title card of any movie I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> God, it made me laugh so hard the first time they put it up there. Uh, I was Okay, so you know this palate cleanser I thought was interesting at the time because it was probably the one where I'm like, I don't really get it because obviously we just saw the mess. I guess that's kind of the double play on words there. It's like, all right, you saw a man kill himself. Let's kind of calm down. Everyone just, you know, bring it on in. It's going to be okay. Uh, which I, and I probably could have gone without that one, that one because we're already ratcheting up the intensity. Uh, I did find it very interesting that here we go with man's folly where for maybe the first time ever a horror movie had, like, everyone had the chance to run away and leave. <laughs> if they didn't get caught, like, you could get out of here if you really wanted to. Like, I felt like, or at least the men, which I found to be kind of interesting. So they call it Man's Folly. Um, and I thought the the sous chef Cap Catherine character was very, was interesting to bring in because it even shows that, that Chef is flawed and everyone else, you know, we're all flawed. We're all here 
you know, as flawed human beings. And I thought that was interesting. And I thought given the guys, the idea to escape was interesting. I, I thought that may have gone a little too long. I feel like you could have summed that up by everybody getting caught a little quicker than having, you know, this kind of almost chase scene in a way, which I don't really know if it was fully needed. Uh, minor nitpick, though. I thought it was a pretty good scene. Uh, the, this egg, and it's really not that important. What's important is the reveal that one, Margot, you know, is and that you know in the service industry, she's here being paid by Tyler to be here with him, and he knew, he knew they were all going to die, but still decided to show up to this fucking thing because he's so obsessed with chef and food and all that stuff. And I, I love that reveal because, first of all, something I didn't touch on, this man continued to take pictures even after he was asked more than once to not take any fucking pictures. So just, again, that's another kind of person that I don't like. Just put your fucking phone down, man. It's going to be okay. But anyway, I love the reveal that all my senses about Tyler being a big piece of shit are confirmed right here because it doesn't get any worse than leading, you know, this woman into slaughter. And she acts, you know, reacts accordingly. So I think as far as a twist goes, which I don't know if that movie really has a twist, but I did like that reveal. I thought that was made it a little bit more interesting, kind of gave us, you know, who Tyler really is. Tyler's bullshit is probably my favorite scene in the movie. It's intense. All the chefs acting like he's doing such a great job, like they're learning something. It's like when you when a kid draws you a picture and you have to sit there and watch them draw the picture and it's it's totally dog shit, but you have to say how great it is because they're a child. That's literally how I felt watching this scene with Tyler Cook with the shallots and, and all this other shit. I thought it was great, man. Intense, awkwardly funny, like really darkly funny. Uh, I found it to be a great scene. And again, that title card with Tyler's bullshit on it, I thought was fucking fantastic. So get right into more intense stuff here. Love this set of scenes. And again, I think Tyler's bullshit may be my favorite scene in the movie just because I finally get to see this motherfucker in or we get him out of the room and I've been wanting him out of the room for a long time. Yeah. Um, chef yelling, eat the way he did. That was some intense shit. Like you just killed a man in front of these people. And now you're yelling, eat like that was crazy. Uh, you know, he just had him kill himself. A man who he admitted was very good at his job. And so him, something about him yelling like that meant it made it mean something more. Uh, and then when the old man's cut, fingers cut off, holy shit, like that's intense. That's great shit. Um, I especially hate Tyler's and Lillian's reactions during this. Like Lillian still thinks, oh, this is all for show. And, you know, this is part of the theater. And Tyler's just like going about business. Like, oh, this is awesome. I'm so honored to be here. Fuck both of those people, man. They just, they suck so bad. Chef telling Margot that everyone will die tonight. That's also a very tense scene. And so I feel like the last set of scenes was more entertaining and cranked up the intensity because we had our first kill. But this set of scenes just so it's like everything that happens is so tense. And so I really like that. I do love also when Chef explains why everyone is there. It's almost like Jigsaw explaining why people are in his traps, except for he's doing it in real time instead of a tape. I yes. thought that was cool. And then yep. right here, Tyler is just the fucking worst. Everyone, even Lillian, has backed off of her. Oh, maybe this isn't for show. But he's still vying for Chef's approval. Like, what a douchebag. And then the uh, revelation that, you know, Margot is a sex worker. 
uh, or, you know, an escort that was hired. Like that just makes her character make a lot more sense and it makes their dynamic make a lot more sense. That's what I was talking about. If you watch it back or, uh, you know, the second time, their dialogue, how he's talking about, well, I'm the one that's paying, not just paying for dinner, paying for her to be there. And, you know, him not knowing her last name, like all that just makes so much more sense. And then the revelation that Tyler knew everyone was going to die. That was a jaw dropper. What an asshole. Also, Anya Taylor-Joy, it was her idea to have uh, Margot punch Tyler in the face there. Like, she added that. That wasn't originally in the script. And that's a completely appropriate response. Honestly, it might be a little light. He deserved more. I love right. Tyler getting humiliated. I fucking love that. Like, he's such a douchebag. He's so pretentious. And Chef's like, okay. It, it was almost like Chef really treated him maybe a little bit more extreme, but almost like Gordon Ramsay does. Like, okay, you want to cook? What are you making me? Oh, okay. This is interesting. And yeah, you mentioned the menu card for Tyler's bullshit. That was hilarious. It said Tyler's bullshit, undercooked lamb, incredible or inedible shallot leek butter sauce, utter lack of cohesion. Fucking incredible. Like everything else before this had been pretty, you know, it, it had been really just spot on, like what it was, what the meal was. But Tyler's bullshit, incredible. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like this set of scenes a lot. It's very, uh, it's very on edge. Like it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat and locked in. All right, guys, here's the ending. Chef asks Aaron to go to the smokehouse and collect a barrel that was forgotten by his staff, in particularly Elsa. On her way out, she sees that Tyler has hanged himself in a closet as well. R.I.P. Beast. John Leguizamo has told his film, Calling Dr. Sunshine, is the reason he's being punished, which seems like the most irrational reason anyone is being killed, until he tells Felicity that she's dying just because she went to Brown and has no student loans. That cracked my ass up. On the way to get the barrel, Margot sneaks into Chef's cottage where she is attacked by a jealous Elsa, resulting in Margot stabbing Elsa to death. After seeing a framed Employee of the Month award in his house, in his house of a Chef as a cook at a hamburger joint called the Greasy Spoon Diner, Margot finds a radio, calls for help, and then returns to the restaurant with a barrel, kicking it like she's fucking Donkey Kong. A Coast Guard officer named Dale arrives in a rather humorous turn of events, after convincing the guests they were about to be saved, reveals himself to be a line cook with a lighter for a gun and returns to the kitchen. While dessert is being prepared, Margot calls out Chef for his loveless cooking in a fantastic dialogue from Anna Taylor-Joy and complains that she is still fucking hungry. When he asks what she'd like, Margot requests a cheeseburger and french fries prepared with the love and Slavic smiles as he works the shit out of that griddle. After one bite, Margot slash Aaron praises the food and requests a to-go box. Chef allows her to leave, and Margot escapes on the Coast Guard boat nearby. All the guests seem to have accepted their fate as they pay the bill. The dessert is a play on the classic s'more, as the staff cover the floor with graham crackers and, and suit each guest with jackets made of marshmallows and hats made of chocolate. Chef then sets the restaurant on fire, essentially killing everyone, including himself. Safely away, the movie ends with Margot eating her cheeseburger, watching the restaurant burn, and uses a copy of the menu to wipe her mouth. Uh, and before you go, Mike, can I say this? This is what I talked about at the beginning. Like, I didn't want a happy ending here. I wanted to see a time jump, and then we get to see Margot slash Aaron, who has voluntarily replaced Elsa as Maitre D. And then we zoom out to kind of see Chef and his staff awaiting the next set of guests. I would have loved to have seen that. Uh, I think that would have been a cool way to end it. Anyway, go ahead, Mike. What would you think of the ending? Hell, I'd have been down with that for sure, man. Uh, 
Okay, so again, I think we get just a little too much with Margot leaving again, like going to the bathroom again, trying to find stuff again. Like, and I know that the that, that chef sends her to do that, but I mean, I just, I don't know, a little bit too much takes place outside of this, uh, this dining room again, in my opinion. But then you get the stuff with her and Elsa, and I think it's great. Obviously, Elsa is insane, uh, wants to be chef's, you know, right in person and and sees her as a threat and you get that you know and you get all that but uh i don't know like i i kind of wish maybe that didn't happen i kind of just wish elsa had died in the room with everybody else but let's talk about this fake coast guard scene i fucking loved this and even though i smelled it coming from a mile away that didn't take the effect away at all from me like it was like as soon as it started happening like this feels a little too off Especially when he pulls his gun. Uh, I'm like, no way. The chef in on this shit and you sure as hell was, man. And I thought that was beautifully done. Especially as, as he used the gun to light a candle. <laughs> That's fantastic. I thought it was great because it's so intense. Everyone's really selling chef out. Like, oh man, we finally got here. And to see their look of utter disgust, I thought was brilliantly done. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and... So let's get to the cheeseburger scene because it it's probably right there with, you know, Tyler's bullshit as my favorite scene in the movie. It's really close because I do think the character of Margot here touches on something that I, I feel with a lot of fine dining. Uh, now, that doesn't mean I can't have a good meal at a really fine restaurant. Obviously, I can. Uh, I don't really like paying for that that often. But again... Sometimes I just want a fucking cheeseburger. I don't want this stuff that, that that's goddamn minced lamb over, you know, some kind of sauce that has a bunch of different. I just want a fucking cheeseburger, man. And that was I thought that was great. I thought in that moment, that character was kind of us speaking to the, to the food industry. Not that you can't have fine dining, but sometimes it's nice to just have some normal food. And I really do think that was kind of the the themes that, that that she was touching on here. I love the the way that that Fines played this right here, though. Just this, like, little smile, and it kept growing. It's like he's been waiting, wanting someone to call him out on all of this bullshit and ask him to cook. I thought that was really subtle and really well done. And by the way, I know I'm not the only one that went and got a fucking cheeseburger after they watched this movie, because that's a damn fine-looking cheeseburger right there. Me and Kat did it last time. That we watched it. We were like, fuck, I want a cheeseburger. So when got fucking cheeseburgers for dinner, that burger looked incredible and I wanted a bite. Uh, it's a really <laughs> smart plan by this character. Like to to see a way out and use that, to use it as a to-go box, I thought was great. Um, and that just kind of shows that she wasn't even supposed to be there. And so him letting her go, I think, was a little bit of that and a little bit of, wow, a normal person. It's appreciative for the food that I cook and how it tastes, not just to be here as some social light uh, experience. I thought that was really cool. And finally, s'mores. I thought it was really fun, especially when they all had the chocolate hats on. <laughs> They've accepted their fate, just like everyone that's a cook has. Uh, you know, they're kind of nodding along, saying yes, chef, and and they really have kind of like bought in. It, it it was like a weird way of doing my man in the bear suit in Midsommar. <laughs> like it's just. I, I mean, that's kind of what I thought of is he's in that bear suit and he's burning alive. I kind of thought same thing here, except you're literally becoming a chocolate marshmallow, which I thought 
was a nice play. I do agree, though, Brian. It wasn't my favorite ending for it, but I feel like it made sense with the story because obviously you got to finish with dessert, and every the whole plan was for everyone to die. So as far as that goes, I I liked it. But uh, I feel like there could have been a stronger ending. And basically, last thing here, her wiping her mouth with the menu is basically her wiping her ass with the menu, and I thought that was really good. And if Anna Taylor Jordan needs someone to wipe her ass, I got it. Oh, sorry, my bad. Wow. And yeah, I didn't want a you cheeseburger afterwards. I just wanted some some breadless bread. That's what I got. I wanted mm. just got some butter. Some Do you want some shallots? Jean salad? Um <laughs> first of all, uh Mike, when you mention how sometimes you just want to break from the fine dining and all you want is a cheeseburger. I bet that's very relatable for you. I, it's gotta yeah. be exhausting oh, eating at five exactly. star restaurants, you know, night after night. Sometimes exactly. you just want a fucking Dave's four for four from Wendy's. But you know, I don't know. You do know you guys I'm, like Wendy's? You know I'm, you know I'm keto carnivore, pal. Come nope, on. I do not. You don't like Wendy's? I, you like Wendy's I nuts? I like a good. You like Wendy's? Wendy's nuts drag across your face, guy. Hey, hold on, I, I didn't finish, bitch. You I said I did. I didn't finish. Nope. Stop. Anyway, show. um, so back to this set of scenes. Tyler's body hanging there was non-satisfactory to me. Like he deserved to die, and hanging is a brutal way to go. But I just I wanted to see him go. Like his character sucked, and that's a very dark thing for me to say. I, I admit that I wanted to see him die, but you know it's just his character being off screen like that, and all we see is his body, and we don't even really see it. Like that's just that didn't work for me. Chef killing uh, the movie star John Leguizamo, whatever you want to call, because he was in a shitty movie. And then killing his assistant because she went to uh, you know Ivy League school and didn't have student loans because you know she was privileged. <laughs> that was funny as fuck to me. Like oh, crack, crack how me petty up. of a reason to kill two people is like, oh, that movie sucked ass. And then you know what? Oh, petty right there. I'm you don't have student petty. loans. You're dead, bitch. Like that. Was, that shit was so funny to me. Uh, Dale's joke on the on the guest was nuts. Like talk about a traumatizing prank. These people are gonna die anyway, but. You don't want to be traumatized right before you die also. Like, they think, oh, we're free, we're free, and then, ha <laughs> just kidding, man, I'm in on it. That was funny. Um, Margot's plan, though, bold. I do like how she talked to Chef and, like, her intera- their interaction regarding the cheeseburger, and you could just see, he's like you said, he's genuinely excited to cook it, takes him back. Uh, he talked about how he doesn't even like to cook anymore, but he wants to cook this cheeseburger. And, fuck, that burger looked good. Funny enough, I did have cheeseburgers last night when I uh, when I watched this movie to take my notes, but it was not planned at all because I, I had thawed some hamburger meat the night before and was too tired to cook, so I just ate out, and then so it pushed my meal back a day. I was going to have hamburgers the day before. It's just funny coincidences, man. Um, and then also, fun fact, all the food in this movie was prop food except for that cheeseburger, and so the crew was starving. The cast and crew was starving when they were watching uh, Margot, Anya Taylor-Joy, eat that burger. And so after they wrapped filming, John Lovgazano actually ordered burgers and fries for it for everyone on set because that's how good that burger looked. Um, but the ending, I hated it. I hate it. Just ask for it to go. That's all she had to do. Why didn't anyone else ask for their food to go? If everyone else saw that work, why didn't anyone else even try it? Hey, okay, hey, can I also get a cheeseburger? To go? No one else even tried it. They just like, oh, she got away, damn it, we're going to die. 
And again, like I said earlier, Chef mentioned how they could have fought back harder if they really wanted to leave. They didn't even do that. Like um, the, the the douchebag that's hiding in the chicken coop, <laughs> yep. he just sat there and he's like, oh, well, darn it, you found me. So I, this this ending just doesn't work for me. They, they just sat there while they put the fucking uh, breastplate of marshmallows and the crown of chocolate on their heads and sprinkled graham crackers all over the floor and lit it on fire. Hated that. And then also, it didn't make sense to me because I don't think that Chef would have allowed her to leave because that's someone that's going to tell the story of what happened here tonight. I think that Chef's ego would, would have been so big that he cares about his legacy. Even if he's killing himself and everyone that night, at least his legacy would be, you know, because if he's going to burn everyone, they could just make it look like they caught on fire and they died. Maybe it's a freak accident. But someone's going to live to tell the tale that he was a maniac. Like his legacy's tarnished forever because there's a survivor. I just don't think that his ego would have allowed her to to live and tell her side of the story. Just my opinion. But the last thing that I absolutely did love, and I mean love, was the s'more speech. Because he had the quote, the s'more, the most offensive assault on the human pa uh, palate ever contrived. <laughs> That's the most brilliant shit I've ever heard because I've never liked s'mores. And so, yeah, fuck those stupid ass campfire snacks. How can I have s'more? I haven't had any. You're killing me, Smalls. But oh, it's just this this movie is like that cheeseburger, except for instead of the cheeseburger being on that deliciously toasted sesame seed bun, is like a cheeseburger on two pieces of dog shit. The beginning and the end just don't work for me, but the middle is very good. So that's how I feel about the movie. Oof, Tubby. I hear you. All right, you guys have any fun facts, Dustin? I got just a couple. Um, screenwriter Will Tracy came up with the idea of the story while he was on his honeymoon in Bergen, Norway. He took a boat to a fancy restaurant that I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce on a nearby private island and realized that they were stuck on the island until the meal was done. And there was m numerous references to restaurant Noma in Copenhagen in the menu, starting with the, uh, the location, idea, concept, and ending with the menu itself. Um, you mentioned the Emma Stone. She was originally cast as the lead. Last one I have is that John Leguizamo's character is based on washed-up action star Steven Seagal. He said this multiple times in interviews how <laughs> he based his character on Steven Seagal because he called him a, quote, horrible human due to a particularly bad experience they had or he had with Seagal while filming Executive Decision from 1996. Nice. Fuck Seagal. Huh? I'm, I'm with you, Legosmo. <laughs> yeah, the only <laughs> – the only uh, I actually have a fun fact this week. The only fun fact I have was that – Daniel Radcliffe was originally scheduled to be in this movie as himself, uh, which would have referenced not Harry Potter, but another movie that he was in. But it would have been the the only other time that Ralph Fiennes and Daniel Radcliffe have been on screen together outside of the Harry Potter franchise. But it was cut due to a scheduling conflict. I think that could have been fun because you could have had Chef. Would have been really. You fun. could have Chef throw jabs like ah, that's an inside joke for Harry Potter fans, but. No, everyone yeah. would pick up on like that would have been fun. I think that was the point, and they and and they were both really excited about it. But when it came time to shoot and schedule it, they had to kind of cut it away because Radcliffe was making two movies at the time. Actually, oh man, yeah, what, that Deathly been Hallows awesome. one and two. What the fuck else has he done? Come on. <laughs> well, Deathly Hallows part one, he's just walking around the forest. But anyway, whatever. Um, and part two is a fucking horror movie. We're going to review that one day. You, I, I'm down to pick that movie because it is a horror movie. Um, I've said that for years. Go ahead. I know. I agree, brother. Uh, the budget for this movie was $30 million. 
only grossing $79.6 million. So again, not a complete flop, but not a, just, you know, so-so. It made its money back and then some. Um, but I mean, this movie more so was kind of a, did good numbers for HBO Max. Yeah. It looks like it was the second most streamed film on that platform of 2022. So that's pretty damn good right there. You know, I don't know how much money that makes, but it is a very well-known movie now. And I believe it's got a little bit, starting to develop a little bit of a cult following. So I thought that was interesting. All right, let's go <laughs> social medias on Twitter. Uh, Sam just put some fire emojis. I thought that's definitely relevant to the ending there. Uh, <laughs> blood donor uh, Sean Irwin, the poet sloth himself. What do you think Chef said to Nicholas Holt's character? Also, this movie was a freaking trip and a half. Dustin, Mike, what do you think he said? I think he said, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> I think he said something like, you'll never be, you'll never yes. belong in a kitchen. On your, on your, on my worst day, I could shit dishes better than what you can cook. And yeah. it just pushed him over the edge. He definitely was talking mad shit. Let's be honest. No doubt. All right, let's go to the Graham blood donor, Matt Strickland. A very good watch. What were your thoughts on having Top Chef with sous chef minions as killers? Might make me think twice about ever going to some hoity-toity restaurant for sure. Uh, my answer, I liked it. I wish they would have survived. Yeah. Very unique, very creative, because I do th- uh, agree with you, Brian. A sequel with the same villains, I th- actually think, would have been pretty interesting to kind of see what they would have done with that. But, you know, oh, well. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. In today's day and age, they'll find a way to make a sequel, brother. They'll find no, a way. No, brother. It'll be a prequel, brother. But it's going to be a requel. Um, ah, I can, I can see either. I can see what you're saying about how it would make you think twice about eating at these hoity-toity restaurants. I mean, just Mike this week has canceled, too, because oh he was a little God. freaked out. Um, <laughs> I've eaten <laughs> I think it, it's, it was, sausage and ground beef the last two nights. Suck my ass. Pause. Uh, it was a, it's a very good touch to have the sous chefs be because it's like it's like you know a very military esque atmosphere. You've got your leader right. and they're just soldiers. So that was that was a very nice touch. Right. The this is a great this is a great uh, screen name. Optional Thirteenth Ghost. I loved this film. <laughs> Averted any expectations I might have had from the trailer. Was your favorite guy's favorite course prepared from the film? I'd say mine was Tyler's bullshit. That whole scene had me dying. Mine is in Brian's answer. Favorite, I, the breadless, the breadless bread made me laugh. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, mine's Tyler Plate. Uh, now, the best looking meal is the cheeseburger, but the best, you know, my favorite meal that was prepared because of everything involved in it was Tyler's bullshit for sure. Tyler's bullshit's definitely funny, um, but as far as my favorite meal, like which one I would like to have, obviously the cheeseburger, but. I like the breadless bread plate just because it's such a fuck you to, you know, you want to yes. criticize me? Fuck you. Here's here's nothing. You'll take it and like it. Are you saying you don't want that scallop that they position so eloquently on the top of a rock? It's not what you want? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I was thinking maybe the chefs welcome that raw local oyster. Blood donor Missy Hutchinson Wall. I thought this was very original. Strange at times. Uncomfortable, but I liked it. All right, we go to Facebook. Top fan Jennifer Tyree. Absolutely a wild ride. You really find yourself rooting for certain people and hating the rest. Laughing emoji. And my favorite oh. comment of all the social medias this go around is from top fan Dex Cole. <laughs> well, last time my comment was read, I was referred to as Dustin's burner account, so we'll <laughs> stick with that. Seriously though, amazing <laughs> seriously though, amazing movie and easy watch. Felt like the movie flew by. Anything with John Leguizamo is fantastic. My personal biased opinion, of course. Is this my hey, burner? Shit. 
<laughs> time time out. Comment before last. Who who was that top fan? Jennifer, Jennifer Tyree. Jennifer, you said rooting for certain people, as in plural. Who the hell else can you root for other than Margot? <laughs> Everyone else sucked. <laughs> I don't know, Margot. <laughs> Good point. Good point. All right, well, Dustin, you want to uh, read read yeah. uh, Nico's rating, and do, as we get into favorite Brian, killers, you go, you, and then Brian can go. We we've talked this whole time, Dustin. I'll um, yeah, I'll fill in. This is Nico's thoughts, so I'll do my best Nico impression. Well, my favorite kill, I'd have to go with the s'mores. Uh, my least favorite kill, I'm gonna go with Tyler because I wanted to see it. Uh, as far as my rating goes, really good movie. Refreshing, new concept, great acting from everyone. Anya and Ra- Rafe were exceptional, just not extremely rewatchable, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Rating, I go with a 7.75. Man, and you know what? That's the only time we'll ever get to do that because Nico's never going to miss again. Uh, I said, this is the first exactly. time he's ever missed. <laughs> I had to have fun with it. <laughs> it almost took him 300 episodes to miss. Exactly. Uh, he's Cal Ripken of this show. Exactly. Yes, he is. Uh, yes, he is. Mine's short and sweet. My favorite kill is Jeremy. Uh, my least favorite kill is Tyler or else, you know, everyone at the end because of what I really wanted to see was them survive. But uh, I kind of said everything during the start, and I feel like you guys covered everything brilliantly during the review. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and just rate it. I'm going to give this movie a 6.5. All right. My favorite kill was everyone that became a s'more. I'm sorry. Like, not the actual ending of a movie, but I would have loved to see just that scene in a movie. I thought that was very creative and very well done. My least favorite is Tyler, because like Dustin, I wanted to see it, and I wanted it to be way worse than what we got out of that. So I'm just saying, that's my least favorite kill for that reason. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to go or if Dustin was supposed to go, but since we're going in the order we do our notes, and I just went ahead and went. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but look, everything I've already said, I love this movie. I love the concept. I love that it's unique and creative and very different. Uh, like Missy Hutchison said, very weird and uncomfortable at times. But once I'm in, I am all the way in. And I understand the criticism awesome. for real. Hey, I understand <laughs> the criticism for we're getting canceled. Uh, for rewatchability, I totally understand. It, I, fi- I find it rewatchable, but that's because I love shitting on really hoity-toity food industry. And so that kind of gives me a kick out of that. Um, but uh, don't give me that side eye. How are you going <laughs> to shit on it but then continue oh, to go right. to them? I don't. They're, dude, I live in Greenwood, <laughs> South Carolina. Ain't no hoity-toity around here. Anyway, uh, but look, phenomenal acting job by all involved. I thought the cast was great. The Excellent. music, very underrated. The music feels like a cross between uh, Hannibal, the movie, and then a little bit mm-hmm. of Midsommar in there. So I feel like there's a good mix of like, upbeat creepy like th- th- there's just a lot of different stuff there i thought the the music was really well done and again i thought this movie was shot beautifully great stuff on location down there in georgia so look all that being said i am doing something i give this movie a 10 guys wow okay well What'd you say? hey he gave it a 10 really a low yeah, I, I, I thought i heard him but i, I couldn't <laughs> believe my ears movie, i give this movie a 10 guys it's my 10, 10. This is my guilty pleasure, Tim. There's a lot wrong with this movie, but I fucking love it. Well, I fucking can. You know what? After you said it was the best movie of 2022, I expected you to rate it like a four. So I'm glad that you actually. Hey, 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 hey. 
<laughs> you see, now hold on now. Dustin watched this movie one time, liked it a lot more than the, the second time he watched it, and that's how I felt about Doctor Sleep. So why don't you take a sweet suck of my ass, Brian Hathaway? Wow. Mm. Wow. Love mm. you, buddy. Say my last name on um, the show. So as far as my kills go, uh, favorite kill, I went with uh, sous chef Jeremy just because it was so shocking. And, you know, we actually got to see the whole thing play out, uh, got to see the blood splatter and everything. And then least favorite kill was Tyler. I just I, I needed to see more. Like Nico said, I just he deserved we deserved to see more for having to put up with his bullshit. Um, as far as the movie goes, though, like I said in, in my last closing thoughts in that last set of scenes, I feel like the middle of this movie so captivating. The intro didn't really grab my attention, though, and the ending missed for me. Ray Fiennes was incredible. Anya Taylor-Joy was incredible. Nicholas Holt was incredible. I, I thought the rest of the acting was just okay. Like, John Leguizamo is a better actor in other stuff than here, where he's just playing an actor. Like, I, didn't, uh, he, I don't know. Something about his acting and the way he portrayed that character just didn't hit for me. Um, I love the uh, the menu cards. That was fantastic. So there's a lot to there's a lot that I like, but the ending just made it fall so flat for me that uh, I gave the movie a five and a half, and so that gives us a composite score of a seven point four three seven five. IMDb it. has it as a seven point two, so we're right there with them. Absolutely, right there with them. Uh, does anybody have anything else to say before we uh, before I call out shout out these blood donors? As far as these blood donors go, thank you guys. Look, I mean, just you, you're the glue that keeps us together. Like you are the reason why we do this. Thank you so much. Camper level reoccurring, monthly reoccurring. Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Brian Samick, and Michael Evans. And the uh, monthly reoccurring camp counselor level of blood donors, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home podcast, Heather Smith, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, as Nico likes to say, Adrian Iello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, Matt Strickland, Gail Koontz, and the final guy review that we still have to do, Kenneth Welch, who has picked Hollow Man. So I'm looking forward to that uh, whenever we get to that pretty soon. I haven't seen that movie literally since high school, since it came out, so it's been a while. Um Anybody got anything else to say before we uh, before we head out of here? No, nah, man, I'm good. No, I'm ready. Thanks for indul- Thanks for indulging me in Mike's bullshit, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Um,